Today on Happy, Sad, Confused, the marvelous Rachel Brosnahan on the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Hey guys, I'm Josh Horowitz. Welcome to the show. Welcome, Sammy. Uh, I see what you did there with the marvelous. I'm not. I'm redoing, it, I'm redoing the intro. I'm going to redo it because you don't. You hated my Maisel intro. Maisel or Maisel? What do you mean? Do you watch the show? Yeah, but I feel like maybe because you know I identify so much. I'm, I'm Mrs. Maisel. It's like a Jew. You know, I say it in my Jewy. It's Maisel. 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 I, oh, that sounded Julia. Yeah. No, it's Maisel. Uh, I only discovered this show very recently. I will confess, uh, I watched it post Globes, post the win. I think it won both uh, Best Comedy and uh, she, she won Best won, Actress. Yeah. Uh, and it was on my list, and I got to it. And you know what? You guys are right. It's really good. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a fun Alex Borstein. Alex Borstein, of course, Shaloub. I was gonna say, and the one and only <laughs> Tony Shaloub. I feel like Shaloub probably listens to the podcast. Shalub, your work in Men in Black. Okay, never mind. <laughs> oh, but like, I think it sounds like I'm kidding, and I'm not. Right. That obvious. Everyone who were knows a, me knows Men in Black is hugely important to were me. Were you a monk watcher? No. Uh, look, think of you probably have 120 Shalub hours waiting for you. I'm. Not, I was not a monk watcher. I'm a. Uh, was the movie he did with Tucci with yeah, the Tucci? Big night. Big, big night. night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking about last night, and I'm like, that's not. Yeah, I'm I'd a like, big, big night. I'd like to get the Tucci on here. He'd be good. Yes. He's, what are you crazy? He directed a new movie with Army Hammer in it that's coming out soon, so maybe he'll. And be now in town. you and Army are are close. We're besties. So. Uh, speaking of besties, my newest one, Rachel. I really I, liked her. She's uh, she's wonderful. Uh, Rachel Brosnahan just exited. You got a chance to say hi. I did. She was so lovely. So little. You know, I that violates the rules. I try to keep you away from the talent. I know, but she was late, and I was Damn late it. too. So. <laughs> uh, Yes, she was so lovely. I couldn't believe... I'm about 5'1", so everyone knows. And she's right there with me. I wonder... Now I'm just curious, like, people listening to the podcast, what did they imagine the Sammy in their brain? What did... How tall was the Sammy in their brain? They think of, like... Like, uh... Like, uh, Jennifer Lawrence. Mm Mm-hmm. And then they're like, but prettier. (laughs) (laughs) Thinking that's what she looked... But, like, effortless. Right, right. Not so done up. Not so, like... (laughs) Right. Just more like... More natural. natural. Oh, my God. It's like almost makeup takes away from it. That's what people think. Anyway. And they know what you look like. Yeah. Well, I'm a monster on the internet. You can find me very easily. Yeah. (laughs) And Rachel, what I like... Like, Mm -hmm. she noticed all the correct things in your office to notice. She caught... She was... She was with it. She was with it. She was we great. like her. We like her. We, we, we're fans of the Rachel Brosnahan. And I, li- I like that show a lot. Yeah. For the, those that don't know, um, it, you should by now, but the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel just concluded, I guess it concluded, it just uh, surfaced or was released its first season like, mm-hmm. probably just two months ago uh, and was immediately just embraced by critics and audiences. A uh, second season is about to uh, be shot here in New York. Uh, takes place, I think, in the late 50s about um, kind of like a Jewish housewife. Yeah. Who who uh, kind of uh, goes through an unexpected um, divorce and finds her voice as her a... husband leaves her. Yes. Okay. I don't want to ruin the whole thing. Finds her voice as a stand-up comedian. Mm-hmm. Is that a good tease? That's, yeah. Okay. That's a good log line. Okay. Good. I'll buy the show. Okay. Um, and it's very well done. It's from uh, Amy Sherman Paldina, who of course did Gilmore Girls. So it's got that very like uh, dialogue. And she sort of looks like I think Rachel sort of looks like Alexis Bledel. 
Oh, I can see that a little bit. I know sure. that Alexis Pladell meets Evan Rachel Wood kind yes. of a thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yes, uh, she's getting well-deserved accolades uh, for her performance. Uh, for those that don't know, also she you might have seen her. I saw her in House of Cards. She was in a couple seasons of that. Uh, was Emmy nominated for that? Actually, I'd say who would the when I found out that that was the same person. Yeah. I was. Lord. Yeah, she was like kind of like the prostitute who's he, hired in the first episode, first right? First episode, and then to seduce he, uh, our good old buddy Corey Stoll. Yes, right, class friend of the show. Yeah, uh, and then you know her character, she becomes sort of a main character, and it's she's dark and yeah. and it's she, you know she looked totally different. It was such like her character now. She's so fun and and bubbly and, and confident. This was, yeah, yeah. That lady's got range. This one, this Brosnan. Yeah, I'm like oh. When I found like, oh, she's good. She's good. She's got the chops. I, I agree with the <laughs> Hollywood Foreign Press Association. Uh, so we had a blast. We uh, we uh, took our silly happy sack confused photos. She uh, changed out of her uh, glam uh, outfit for the talk shows. And then we just, you know, got into our onesies yeah, she and talked. She Kelly this morning. That's right. Um, yes. She, when I came in, mm. what she was finishing up saying to you was, thank you for the therapy session. Did she say that? She <laughs> I don't listen. Are you here? <laughs> like, how do you do this job? I don't know. She goes, thank you for the therapy. <laughs> oh, thank God. you for the therapy session. We went deep. So then I'm like, oh, I, I got to listen to this one too. You might actually have to listen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sammy doesn't listen to the podcast. I do if I like the guest. <laughs> you don't even pretend that you listen to every episode. No, I don't listen to every episode. I, mean, I, don't, I don't commute. So it's like. Right. You know, and I listen to music, unlike you. Yeah, I don't. I don't I've been listening. Listen, I listened to the Boy from Oz soundtrack this morning. All Grish, the way through. Greatest Showman on on your. Uh... Of course. Okay. 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 Um, all right. Let's uh, let's let uh, Rachel uh, uh, dominate the rest of today's episode as she should. A very talented uh, young actress with great things in her future and great things in the present. As marvelous Mrs. Maisel is currently streaming on Amazon Prime, and uh, everybody should check it out if you haven't already. And uh, remember, review. Rate. And subscribe. You don't have to do all of them, but you can choose one. Yeah, but if you're there, just do all of them. Okay, just do all of them, guys. Uh, enjoy this conversation with Rachel Brosnahan. Why, look, it's Rachel Brosnahan. Hi, Rachel. Why, look, hello. It's good to see you. Thank you. You um, too. Uh, Rachel has uh, just been refreshed and recharged by a delicious half of a lunch, at least. By a large sandwich. And some coffees, more coffee. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's good to have this opportunity to chat with you because we we spent all of ninety seconds, I think, together at the Golden Globes on, I think on that's the carpet. <laughs> um, so oh, look at my microphone just like wobbling around everywhere. It's got um, a mind of its own. Yes, exactly. So uh, well, let's start at the Globes because that was a fun night. I would expect that was a pretty fun night. Totally <laughs> overwhelming, uh, but really cool. It was my first time, so it was. Um, it was pretty wild. Were you able to kind of enjoy it prior to your name being called, or was it kind of like, is it like in the back of your brain the entire time? No, it this wasn't. Is looming. It wasn't that that um, that made it overwhelming. It's just there's just so many amazing people around, and so much excitement, and so much booze, and and uh, but this one was really um, having not been before. I don't have anything to compare it to, but this year with the birth of this. Uh, uh, Time's Up movement, um, sort of piggybacking on on the resurgence of Me Too, um, it felt different, yeah. and it felt, from what I understand from people who have been before, more purposeful. 
Um, and so that was really special to be to be there. That what, night. What, once you're in your seat and you know the categories coming up, like what's running through your brain, like in the well, when was, you're reading the nominees and all there that. There was some miscommunication about when the category was coming up. Oh, no. um, so I I didn't know that. That that the category was happening when it was happening. I mean, Carol Burnett walked on stage, and I was like, "Oh my God, Carol Burnett! I love her. She's amazing." And then she started reading, and I was like, "Oh, oh, oh, f- shit!" Uh, you know, and then and then it just all, and then it was like, and then that's it, and then yeah. I blacked out. <laughs> just, just coming to now, a couple of weeks <laughs> yeah, later. Yeah, exactly. Um, and now you're back into kind of the reality of of real life. Yeah. Because you guys are. I think starting production pretty soon, right? Yeah, I just had my first costume fitting yesterday. Nice. So, okay, so let's talk, because it feels like this has all happened pretty quickly. Like, And I confess, when I spoke to you at the Globes, I haven't even watched the show yet. I'd heard, like, the, the... I know, I know. What? You sensed it on me, I think, when you talked to me. No, you were like, no this idea. guy's a poser. <laughs> no. Um, but, uh, uh, well, you know how it is. Do you have, like, this... I have this running no, list of, like, 20 so TV much shows TV. I need to watch. I do, too. I'm <laughs> so endlessly behind. And, and then I watch it, and I'm like, what took me so long? I hope you feel that way now. I do. That's why, that's why you're here. Don't worry. You wouldn't be here otherwise. Um, so I'm a, I'm now a, a tremendous fan of your work and and, and this wonderful production. Um, but I mean, a year ago, take me. I don't know when you shot the the first season, but like I don't even remember what. Well, just even I what mean, was a year ago? I don't even know. 2017, what, what month is it? beginning February. of 2017. So where were you at in your life at the beginning of 2017? And does it feel like a different kind of a life, or is it sort of just like this is a different job that happens to be a few more eyeballs, or does it feel like apples and oranges, or what? All, all of the above, yeah. I think. Um, so now that I'm putting my timeline back in order, in the beginning of 2017, I was just finishing, actually like almost exactly this time, just finishing up a run of uh, Othello at New York Theater Workshop. Right. So I was immersed in theater, and especially downtown theater in a smaller theater. It was such a special production. And, and we had already shot the pilot of the show, back to back kind of we we shot the pilot and then I went into rehearsals for this play and just got to live in a theater yeah. for months and I did feel at that time like I was living all of my dreams and all these dreams I didn't know I had yeah. um theater was my first true love and then also to have shot this show that felt so different from anything I'd ever done I was so excited and terrified that anyone had trusted me with it you know um and and then we were gearing up to go back into the season in in I think we went back in in April. Got it. So I think at this time I was in mild panic, not knowing if we'd actually been picked up or not. Got it. So well, a couple of things I want to follow up on that. Um, I never got to see that production. I'm still sad about it because that was you and Daniel Craig, mm-hmm. David Oyelowo, who's been on this podcast, who's the sweetest man on the planet. Isn't he the sweetest and and the smartest? Maybe the yeah. smartest person I've ever met yeah. in my life. He was literally discovered when I was doing my research that he was literally born in the exact same day, same year. We are soulmates. We are brothers from another mother. Whoa! Crazy. Cool. <laughs> um, so was that? I mean, you say you know, growing up being really into theater and, and that's being a passion continues to be. I'm sure you'll return to it um what 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 about that was i mean obviously the caliber of actors you're working with is insane um the material pretty good (laughs) pretty pretty okay shakespeare knew a thing or two did it feel like that was i mean did you look at these kind of opportunities as like um steps up advances for you or uh, opportunities for you to learn new things or is it just sort of like let me relish the moment and go on to the next thing again all of the above yeah um i I had always imagined in the in the earliest dreamy stages of imagining what what your life might be like if you're lucky enough to earn a career as an actor. 
I had initially thought I would only do theater. Mm. That was all I ever wanted to do. I also went through a brief period where I thought I would do musical theater before learning that I cannot sing at all. Um, <laughs> but I, uh, and so the film and TV thing was sort of just something to try and something to learn. And, and I got to learn slowly, which was a huge privilege, doing tiny roles on shows that right. were out, great shows and not great shows, and, and be in school at the same time. Um, so I had only done one play in New York prior to Othello and one other professional play in Chicago at Got Steppenwolf. It. So the idea of being able to do another play, I'd never worked off-Broadway, which had always been a dream, with this caliber of actors, with Sam Gold, at the New York Theatre Workshop on Othello um, in, in this iconic role was just so many dreams at once. I didn't even know what to do with myself. Um, and I can't, I can't remember... I believe I already knew that I was doing Othello when Maisel came up. Okay. So the opportunity to do two things that were so new. I'd also never done Shakespeare, really. So that were so new and terrifying and exhilarating at the same time yeah. was so... I still don't... I'm still processing that. <laughs> <laughs> Let alone this Way little phenomenon then. we're in the middle of right now. <laughs> so are you the type of person that, like, did you make, like like markers for yourself like by 20 I want to be doing this by 25 I want to do this like are you goal driven no. in that way uh no I'm a little type A in that way okay. but I but no um I think very quickly the idea of a career in the arts felt like you just couldn't do that right and despite I think a lot of um desire to try to set goals that way I felt like it would be an impossible standard I, I think I learned early on that everybody's journey in this and any kind of art is completely different. Right. And so to put that kind of pressure on myself would have not gone well. well and also <laughs> would have not been motivating. And as you well know, so much of it is unfortunately out of your control, especially to- in, in the arts what you're doing. I mean, it's... It's it's a lot of hard work, a lot of luck, um, and and a lot of people willing to take chances. Yeah. Was, it, was there... So you grew up... You were born in Wisconsin. Yeah. Grew up... In Highland Park, Illinois. Illinois, right. Mm-hmm. So was there a point, like, do you remember like a specific moment where you told your family, like, I want to pursue this? Was that like a big thing or was it kind of a gradual like thing everybody kind of came to realize Rachel's serious about this or, or what? I think it was pretty gradual, but it didn't become real until it was time to look at college, mm-hmm. time to decide decide what I wanted to study in college and where I wanted to apply. I think prior to that, it was a hobby that, but I, but I didn't like anything else. <laughs> you know, it was like the only <laughs> hobby I had. Um, and the only thing I was really interested in. Yeah. So there was certainly a shift at the point, I think, I really decided that I wanted to go to school to study drama. Right. And that would be the path that I was set on forever. There's so much pressure on kids at that age that feels feels so wrong to know what you're going to do for the rest of your life no, at, totally. at 17, even before <laughs> 18. Um, it's almost like I don't trust the people that know with certainty because how can right? you really? I mean, how it's great if you, you do. I, I guess more I, I admire and I'm jealous of people that are, have that certitude at 15 or 17. Yeah, like, I do too. I mean, this was certainly the only thing I ever wanted to do. Sure. But, but that I really felt I felt like I had to decide when I was 17. Were, were you like uh, heavily into pop culture as a kid? Like what was your jam in terms of like stuff that you were into as a, a teenager? Not really. Um, I, I came from a really athletic family. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my dad played tennis, skied, lived in Boulder for a long time. My brother played hockey forever. My sister played soccer. I played 
basketball for a second, was terrible at it, but, <laughs> but uh, grew up snowboarding and, and um, ultimately did, did some sports in high school. Uh, so not, not really. Okay. Um, I read a lot. I was a ferocious reader always had my face in a book yeah. and I feel like that was what I did for fun <laughs> what, do you remember the first um, actor or film you became obsessed with like what was like <laughs> this This is so funny but this is so silly but honestly look at the posters in my office it's not silly I've got a big trouble little china poster I did love it's Back to the Future yeah. um, uh, I loved Xenon Girl of the 21st Century I don't even know what that is yeah, yeah. it was a Disney Channel original movie <laughs> and I and I loved it I was really young then. I mean, but this I, is five years ago. I watched it. <laughs> Xenon, what was it? Xenon. I bet a lot of your listeners know. I'm sure. About this. I, I Xenon like Girl of right the 21st Century. Okay. Raven was in it. Oh, she is so Raven. Um, but I, I don't know why. I, I think it's because the connection for me between being a an avid reader and also my my mom says I was a little bit of a serious kid. Like mm-hmm. I was pretty focused on the things that I liked, right. and at that time that was reading. Um, the, the connection between reading and acting, I think, comes in 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 the imagining of worlds that I couldn't imagine. Right. So I loved fantasy books. I loved Harry Potter and the Lord of the Rings. And right. I'm half British, and I grew up reading all these British book series that nobody's ever heard of. Sure. Harry Potter was once one of them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> how, how, how deep into Harry Potter were you? Were you, oh my God. Were, did you dress as Hermione? Did you have the midnight? Oh, yeah. Total Potterhead. Yeah. Um, but for sure. Uh, <laughs> I love Harry Potter. What house are you in? What, have you sorted yourself? I don't know. You know, like, everybody wants to think they're a Gryffindor. I <laughs> I would like to also think that I'm a Gryffindor. <laughs> I think I'm also a little bit of a Ravenclaw. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We could go on about this for hours, but I'll stop before it gets embarrassing. No, that, um, uh, this is where I, I want to go yeah. deep now. <laughs> no, no. But I, um, but I, yeah, so I, I think it was that, Xenon Girl of the 21st Century, to return to her and all of the genius that is that film, uh, was it took place in space, okay. but also on Earth. Right. And and I don't know. I just, I felt like that was the first time I was ever like, oh, I want to be in something like yeah. that. I want to do something like that. We also grew up watching a lot of silly comedies. You know, I loved Flubber. I loved Robin Williams. The best, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Just was genuinely actually so deeply inspired by Robin Williams. Yeah. I loved the movie Annie. I loved Bernadette Peters. I, yeah, I mean, it, it uh, yeah. We watched Austin Powers a hundred times. All the classics, all the, the good stuff. <laughs> I mean, yes. I mean, I, I will not quarrel with Austin Powers. Did I feel you, like I'm still catching up on a lot of classic. Okay, okay Kelly, I'm going to admit this. Yeah. I've never seen Jurassic Park. What? I know. It's, we're not even talking, like, I was thought you were going to say something like Citizen Kane or no. Casablanca, but you're, no, no. you... Like, I, it was a very odd selection. I missed right. out on a lot of classics. I did watch Casablanca and Citizen Kane okay. much later in my life. Sure. Um, uh, I feel like not until I got to college. We so need to sit you down and watch Jurassic Park. I it's, still it's have a, a lot to catch up on. Movie. I, so I hear. <laughs> I've heard great things. <laughs> did you meet Emma the night of the Globes? Emma Watson was there. I did not meet Emma, but I really think she's great. I mean, inspiring in every way. Not only the Hermione part, yeah. but like, I mean, she's a feminist icon. She's, she's an incredible best. woman. I, I also yeah. love her love for books and reading. Yes. And I love her, where she puts the books all over Hiding the, in the world. Subway, yeah, 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 I love that. Cool. Um, I love that she's spreading the love of reading as somebody who really loved reading herself. Have you had the opportunity to do any sci-fi fantasy yet? Have you gone up for a crazy sci-fi fantasy movie yet? Whenever anybody says, what do you want to do next, that's it. Oh, really? Um, I did a small role early on, I think when I was 
still in college in a movie called Beautiful Creatures. Yes. That was, yeah, that, that was the closest I've ever come to, to that right. genre. But I, I love to do some of that. See, <laughs> uh, they're making a Star Wars movie every year for the rest of the time. So. I'm in. Hello, Star Wars people. I'm here. And uh, not so available at this moment, but soon. <laughs> exactly. I'm six months after the next season or two. Um, but I think that's the attraction to period pieces, kind of. Is that I've done a, few, like a couple period pieces, and I, um, it's also a world that feels sort of far away. Yeah. Uh, I love the attention to detail that is involved in bringing them to life. No, and, and, and obviously we'll get into to Maisel. I mean, one of the things that I, that I really love about it is just, and many people I know are attracted, is, is, is both the familiarity and the foreignness of that world. Um, like, yeah. I, I, I feel connection to it just because, like, you know, my dad was in his 20s in that time period. And, and you grew it, up on the uh, Upper West Side. Mean Streets of the Upper Main West Side. So, so, so there you go. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of a comfort food for me watching. I'm sure it, it hits different points for different people. But, mm-hmm. um, but anyway, we'll, we'll dive into that in a second. <laughs> but I, I want to get more into the kind of the background before we got there. Um, so it's a fir- the first film you did was... Uh, this movie, The Unborn, I think, yeah. right? Yeah, um, yeah. Great Gary Oldman was in it. Hey, he's going to win an Oscar. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I never met him, but he was he was in that movie. <laughs> um, was that when you were still in high school, or had you moved to New York by then? I was still in high school. Okay. Um, yeah, it was it was sort of like a, I had a very small Chicago agency that sent me out on this role, and was sort of told, was so confused, just was so confused. I was like a chicken running around with my head cut off. Right. I had never auditioned for a film. I didn't know what any of the terminology meant. I didn't know what what's a callback a was, what's a, what's a mark, <laughs> what's first position. Right. You know, I had no idea what was happening. Um, but somebody must have either thought it was very funny or I was right for the role. <laughs> so, and, and was New York something that was important for you to, to get to? Was that sort of always the place you wanted to end up in? It was. I, I had this very romantic idea about New York and the theater mm-hmm. and, and the city. And I always, I always, even before I really knew I wanted to move to New York, I think I always wanted to live in New York. So have you been living here continuously since school? Yeah. I, I moved to L.A. for about five minutes and then came back. <laughs> it's not for me. I hear there's a lot of L.A. bashing on this podcast. Oh, I, no. I like L.A. in some ways. but We're I mean, in New York. We yeah, are the best. Yeah, come on. Let's own it. Um, do you feel like a New Yorker now? Do you feel like, I mean, there's this debate of like when yeah. can you actually feel like a New Yorker? That is an ongoing debate. It's been 10 years. Okay. So I just marker. switched over my driver's license <laughs> and I felt different afterward. What's the what's what do you think is the New Yorkiest thing about you? What's the uh, I mean? Do you mutter to yourself on the streets? Do you? Oh yeah. Well, as an actor, we do a lot of that. You're like running <laughs> yeah, lines on the subway. You actually have a reason, as opposed to me. I would That's true. A crazy you just person. do it, yeah. um, <laughs> and you practice your faces and the happy, sad, and confused. No, we don't talk about that. Do you do it on that. the subway? Oh I, no, I'm so sorry. I revealed. We did our happy, sad, confused uh, faces to warm up for the conversation. Yeah, yeah. And I revealed that it's true that I've been caught in the bathroom practicing <laughs> my happy, sad, confused faces. Do you ever do it on the subway and you reflect? Can you see your reflection? No, I'm do you not practice? That. No, no. I, I see, now you I might. see the 50 people around me. Now I'm not that crazy. I've inspired you. Okay, well, and I'll think of you when I'm making Thank my you. confused faces. Oh, gosh, I hope I come across you on the, on the F train. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, what were we saying? Oh, yeah, so New, York, New Yorkiest things about you, you think? I drink black coffee and I like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's probably it. Okay. Uh, I. I I really enjoy strangers. <laughs> I feel like that that's something that New York did to me. Strangers are the greatest here. Yeah. Better than maybe, well, not anywhere in the world, but anywhere that I've been. I, You know, uh, the kindness and gruffness simultaneously <laughs> of strangers in New York yeah. is something that I will continue to 
find great joy in for the rest of my life, I, I think. I, I always say, I need kind of like the collision. I don't drive even. So, like, I, I know. Um, I don't drive here. No, I know. But, like, I literally <laughs> don't have a driver's license. Oh, good. good so, like, you. I need, like, the collision of people to, yeah. like, to, to... Feel alive. Yeah, to feel alive <laughs> and to kind of, like, be engaged with society. Like, yeah. um, otherwise... I don't know. I feel like I would be a hermit and I'm totally, you know, it's weird. I don't. So for the five minutes I lived in LA and prior to moving to New York, I listened to a lot of music. Mm. This is sort of pre podcast, pre, pre all of this. Um, but I, I listened to a lot of music and actually here I don't almost ever because when I'm on the subway, I'm, I'm watch, I'm creepily watching people. (laughs) I'm like eavesdropping on their conversations and, but I just, I, the energy in New York and the people here, yeah. it's pretty amazing. Uh, you obviously shoot the show here in New York. We do. Um, do you expect, I, I mean, like, you know, New Yorkers are notoriously, I think, relatively blasé. I don't know about the oh, shooting no, or no. They do not. They are blasé to angry. That's the only <laughs> scale that exists. They're furious, so they don't care at all. Right. Um, they, they do not like it. <laughs> maybe, maybe they'll treat you with more respect now that you guys are actually, they've seen it. I and they like know. I feel like it's downhill from here, honestly. No. Well, I mean, with how we're going to be shutting down more streets, they're going to get angrier. <laughs> You've seen the scripts. We're going bigger, guys. Sorry, Amazon up the up the budget. Well, I'll never forget when we. I, I told this story to someone the other day, but we we shot on West Fourth Street yeah. in front of a. I think it was West Fourth or East Fourth in front of a um, a record store and. And there was this man who was very angry that we'd shut down the street and he couldn't cross in front just for like a second while we were rolling. He was so mad. And just to make himself heard, he he rode on his bike with his child in, in this little basket thing, just in a circle in front of the set. You know, like, and, and he didn't really even, he was like yelling things. No, he, he said some bad words <laughs> that I'm sure he'll regret later in front of his kid. But, um, but, but he just, but they, there was no sense to it. It was just like... Shit! <laughs> you know, like, yeah, like just guttural, can't control yeah. yourself, Tourette's just a little bit. Just to make his point. Yeah. Um, uh, and then he drove off. I like that guy. Yeah. That, that guy's good people. He's a real New Yorker. <laughs> That's my dad. <laughs> Larry, Larry Horowitz, I apologize. Uh, so, uh, was House of Cards like the, the, when you look back, like, was that kind of like the big turning point in terms of like where you had. Uh, like, were you, were you like a consistently working actor and making a living? Like, did you like, no, I was not making a living before that show. I actually, during the first season of house of cards was nannying simultaneously, Oh my gosh! uh, because it was, because I was only supposed to do like one episode and never really knew that I was going to come back or when I was coming back. So I held on to this nannying job as long as I could. Um, uh, and they were very understanding when ultimately <laughs> I had to peace out. Look, uh, I'm nominated for an Emmy, so I need to. Uh, that wasn't quit. until years later. Okay. That first season, I really was just trying it was episode to, to episode. Just trying to pay was, my rent. Yeah, yeah. So, did Fincher direct you in that one, or was it by then kind of handed off to other folks to direct? Or so I was in the pilot very, very briefly, and that was, and that yeah. was him. Um, the pilot. Yeah, I think just the pilot. Uh, and then a couple episodes later, came yeah. back, and we had a, a slew of wonderful directors that followed. So by the time like you got that gig and it, it started to like, snowball, like had you did you go into jobs with expectations and hopes and dreams, or were you kind of like already kind of beaten down a little bit? Where it's like, <laughs> I'll, I'll take this and hope we'll see what happens, and on to the next. Like, I mean, where were you at when House of Cards came, and how much of a surprise was what it turned into? From where I sat as a complete outsider, it was a massive surprise. I'd never heard of Netflix. Neither had anybody else. Yeah, I have that was some a breakthrough for them. Yeah, yeah, I have some very fond memories of of 
I was living in LA initially and of being out in LA and auditioning for like tiny guest stars on other shows because again I was I was only I had like two scenes in the pilot right. so it was a small role um and auditioning for similar sized things on other projects and them being like what are you up to and me going oh I'm you know I shot a, an episode of this new show on Netflix David Fincher right. uh and them going oh okay you know <laughs> How am I going to watch it cared on at my all. TV? No, oh, people like, could gonna... not have cared any less about these experimental weirdos over at Netflix. Right. Um, so the whole thing was a giant surprise. It was a giant surprise that I was able to come back. I also, I think at that time, was very aware that I was just waitressing and just nannying, and that at any second, and, and I mean to some degree, I think I still feel that way. At any second, I could go back there. So it really right. was job to job, hoping to keep working and to keep playing roles that felt challenging and inspiring to me because Rachel and House of Cards turned out to be something that pushed me further than I ever thought I could go as an yeah. actor, something that felt so foreign and so far out of my wheelhouse and and Bo and, and all the folks at the top over on, on House of Cards really trusted me and, and, and gave me this enormous gift that allowed me to stretch my muscles over there. From what I understand, it wasn't like you were like if there was a typical audition for you, it certainly wasn't Call Girl. It wasn't that kind of a part, right? Even at that time? Yeah. Yeah, no. Um, no, I was auditioning for a lot of asexual 16-year-olds. <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> my bag, that's my yeah, jam. Yeah, <laughs> like, like very, very young girls. Right. I think I was eight, I was 20, 21. Um, very young. Yeah. Uh, felt young, too. Right. And, and in some ways, and, and in others not, but... Um, but yeah, it was it was really different. How did the family take to that kind of a role, an adult kind of a performance? They were not thrilled. Uh, <laughs> I still, honestly, I still am not sure if my dad's seen it. it might be for the best. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. That's not no. That, those aren't those were the dreams they had when I <laughs> told them I was going to become an actor. Why can't uh, you do more xenon? Why can't you do- <laughs> exactly. That's what they said. That's exactly. They begged. Where's xenon? What happened to xenon? There's my little girl who loves xenon. <laughs> yeah. Where's she gone? Um, no, I think for a long time my mother said, which I think was funny, is that House of Cards led to a series of other roles that were. Uh, sometimes very dark. Right. Um, I have died a few creative ways now on television, and that's that. I think was the most traumatizing part of it was um, my mother called me. Spoiler: I, Is it still a spoiler? At the end of the third season, it was like, why didn't you tell me? I had to drive around the neighborhood. I was so upset. <laughs> and I was like, I couldn't say anything. Um, so I think they're really thrilled now that I'm that I'm not no longer. Deceased right. on television. Yeah, no, no, no brutal murders yet on Marvelous and Mrs. Amazing. Who knows? <laughs> Still time. We have a second season. God. Oh, we got to up the empty somehow. Yeah. So, um. Give the viewers what they want. Do they want that? <laughs> don't ask. Don't ask that question. I don't know. No. Um, so did it feel like the, the kind of the world had opened up a little bit post like House of Cards in terms of what you got the, you got, I know you were in Manhattan for a bit. Uh, yeah. So it feels like there was at least some momentum that was starting to build in terms of a career. Yeah, I think it, because of the profile of that show, because it was, it really was the beginning of this new era of television, this peak TV thing. There were, there were new platforms suddenly to, to create and to view television on and so much great TV. It didn't feel as experimental as it may once have been considered. So I think 
just the fact that people had seen it yeah. um, and that the show was prestige certainly helped me get in the room. Mm. Um, but I but I was still auditioning very much. I still audition a lot. Yeah. Um, uh, it's a it's a hopefully long journey if you're lucky enough to to go on it. So, so prior to this amazing opportunity coming around, did it, like was there? Did you feel like you had come close to other opportunities, like where you were in the running, or you like a, oh, a yeah. passion project? You were like, this is going to be the one that's going to change everything. I, I don't know if I always thought it would be the one. It would have changed everything for me personally. I sometimes that at that time had a hard wanted. time looking outward, right, but right. yes, there were many, 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 many <laughs> that were just devastating. You know, when they didn't work out. Um, is there one you feel comfortable revealing? Oh sure, uh, there was this movie. You know, I've never, I've never actually said this before, but there was this movie. Um, I think I was eighteen mm. when I was auditioning for it, called Restless. It was a Gus Van Sant movie. I saw that. Yeah, yeah. Mia Wasikowska, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and uh, came very, very close on that. And and it was just at that time, especially, I'd never read a script like that. I was so enamored with Gus Van Sant movies, and and. Those were some of the movies that I think had inspired me the most. And I, oh, I have never wanted anything so badly. And that was that horrible thing where it really looked like it was, at least from where I sat, really, really looked like it was going to go my way. callbacks or just... Yeah, yeah. chem read with a lot of different people, went back to New York, came back out to L.A. Um, But it was also new. I didn't know what was normal or what was not. But, I mean, oh, I have never... That was probably one of the first just, like, gut-wrenching letdowns. Uh, and then they keep happening, and you realize that's just part of it. <laughs> I was going to say, does it, does it get, does it get easier? Because actors at, at almost every level, until you get to some stratosphere that is 0.01%, yeah. most people have to still audition. Oh, yeah. Um, it does. It does get easier. Yeah. Because, because I think I started to understand that, um, that it wasn't personal, that, yeah. that it's... Uh, it's not that they, you know, it, it, I wasn't in competition with anybody else. I suppose I took that out of, that, that was something that helped to be able to move past that. Like, it wasn't like me against somebody else. It was either that it was my role and I was completely right for it. Right. Or I wasn't. And, and so it felt less personal. And right. I started to realize that this was going to be forever. Um, and, and that that's okay. And that I've learned so much from each one of those experiences, despite them being really, really varying degrees of awful and hard. Sure. Um, I've grown from each one. And honestly, you know, like there's a lot of reasons at the end of the day that I'm, I'm actually, you know, I would have loved to have done that film. I think it would have been incredible, but I, I graduated college. Um, I didn't end up having to take time off of school and I learned so much during my time. I took a little bit of time off, but not the kind that would have been required for that. And I gotcha. took so, um, I learned so much while I was in school. And so I can look back now and say like, you know, uh, we out. moved on and yeah. it worked out well. <laughs> um, so, so, so moving up to, to this uh, wonderful show. So, like, was this? What, what do you remember of? Was this just one of many auditions at the time for Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, or was it one that stood out at the time as something that, to your point, was one of the ones that that was very they were passionate about and felt like yeah, it, while I was riding on in some ways, at least personally, it stood out. Um, it was one so. At that time, I had just come off of Manhattan, which was a show that I adored working on that was, that was too short-lived, which right. was devastating in its own way. Um, and I, I had spent then, at that point, nearly five years doing television. And I, 
really wanted to be focusing on theater and looking at some really great films and trying to see if I was in a position where I could establish more control over my own work, as much as you can anyway in this position, Um, but trying to to steer the ship a little bit more. And so when this came up, I initially I said, I don't I don't think I want to do any more TV. And then I read the script. And honestly, by the by the end of the first page, I was like, I've gotta have it um, what do I have to do <laughs> how do I convince them that that I can do this what a one by the last five pages of that script my god oh my god and I was on the floor I was like crying no I <laughs> um no I but I fell in love with it and I yeah. really really wanted it what did, did you feel it was a strike against you that you weren't Jewish uh going up for the part were they looking for I don't know um you know it it wasn't something I had really considered. Um, I had played Jewish characters previously. I also grew up in a, a very, very Jewish community. And although I am not Jewish myself, um, felt well-educated, uh, which is obviously not the same thing, but had really, truly been welcomed with open arms into my friends' houses and and celebrations and holidays and Shabbat dinners and right. shivas. I, I mean, heard you did your time. You did a few bar mitzvahs. At did least. quite a few bar mitzvahs. <laughs> I could maybe bar mitzvah you at this point. <laughs> I was no bar mitzvah, so I might take you up on oh that. Oh, my goodness. I'm the least Jewish Josh Horowitz you you've ever met. You do not want me, me to bar mitzvah you. <laughs> that would be not a good thing to do. Season to three. pursue. Never know. Um, but I think, you know, it was, uh, there's, there's a... The script felt familiar to me. Right. Um, the family felt familiar. I recognized some of the characters and loosely was inspired in the creation of Midge by some of the women that I have known and loved in my own life. Uh, but it wasn't something I thought a whole lot about, although I'm sure that they saw every, every, every sure. eligible maiden in the land um, <laughs> before, before arriving. Also, just I'd never done comedy. Right. <laughs> and I heard, I've heard you talk about this, that like when you first read it or first approached it, you kind of approached it from a dramatic perspective, I right? I did. I didn't know, genuinely, and I can't, I feel stupid when I say this, but I really didn't know that it was as much of a comedy as it mm-hmm. was. I think I really read it as like a, like, you know, I was like, her husband left her. Her whole life has fallen apart. Things are really tough for her, and I, and they are, but I, I didn't read it with as much right. of a it feels like pretty explicitly a comedy now. Well, I think, I think it's a fair point. There are different perspectives on it. There's a little bit of everything in there. Does... I was surprised when we began working <laughs> on the project. So, so does... Because, I mean, we talked in our, our exhausted 90-second conversation at the Globe's Carpet about this, that it, it, you're in a different space very much now as you approach season two. Mm. Um, not only have you sat with this character for months, yeah. but... Now, like, the world has sat with this show for a month or two and is, like, has analyzed it to death. And, yeah. t- and you've been talking about it to death. I know. Um, I'm so sick of the sound of my own voice. <laughs> well, I mean, but, like, I, I'm, I'm curious, like, do you still have the same sort of passion for the character? Are there new questions that have come up for you about Midge in the wake of, like, everybody's interpretation and reception of it? Totally. And, and that's actually been a far more exciting thing than I, I think I ever thought it might be. We're in such a bubble when we're make when one is making a show like this. You live in a bubble. We you just work and work and work and work and hope you can come out the other side, right. and that people love it as much as you do. But there is so much incredible television out right now that I don't think, at least I wasn't allowing myself really to think that people would like it because you just don't know yeah. if anybody's going to find it, if they're going to well, respond and, once they do. And you've been through it with Manhattan, which was a very yes. well received show, but was like. 
I confess, I never caught up with it. Didn't it it didn't on. get much like it, it, it didn't, didn't get that much attention. No, and it was difficult to find. Yeah. Um, and and it was on Hulu the first season and not the second season, right. which I think cost us some of our audience. Um, uh, exactly. So yes, I'd already had my heart broken once. Right. Um, and so, I, yeah, I, I this, uh, I'm, we're still like so in the middle of yeah. it. But it is, but it has been nice because it, I am just as excited about it as I was before. I'm excited to grow with her. I've learned so much from being a part of this project, which it, which does still feel so out of my <laughs> wheelhouse, mm-hmm. um, being surrounded by brilliant talents like Amy Sherman Palladino, Dan Palladino, our cast, our crew. I could talk about our crew for years. I mean, the, I wish somebody would film our camera operator shooting these scenes. Our camera operator, Jim, is doing gymnastics <laughs> to shoot these scenes in one long take. Um, our editors I'm a sucker are... sucker for those. Those are great, yeah. It's just, I mean, to be a part of this group has been one of the coolest things that I've ever done, and I'm so lucky. And so I'm thrilled that we have a season two. I can't wait to go back. And the response and the different things that people have... Um, the different things that people feel passionate about, the questions that they have, yeah. have have forced me to look even deeper and and that's exciting and then also infuriating when you feel like people miss the point you know <laughs> but what, what's um i mean you, again you've, you've had some time to kind of reckon with this character for yeah. a bit and there's a lot to love about her i mean and like you know you've talked about the confidence of this character yeah. um and you, you know you strike me as a confident human being sitting before me i mean does it Thank feel you. like some of that rubs off on you and that that you there, there are learnings that you've applied to your own life from inhabiting Midge for a sustained period of time? Definitely. Um, I, I think I'm fortunate enough to have always felt fairly confident in my own life. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to my work, I have always really struggled with it, as I think many, many actors do. Um, each new job, and especially when you're taking risks and people let you take risks, is horrifying, just terrifying every single second. And so to be simultaneously horrified and trying to channel right. this confidence to play this <laughs> Suppress woman. the confusion. Oh my God, it was the hardest, fear. it was just the hardest thing I've ever done. And I think genuinely fighting that battle has hopefully rubbed off in right. my real life. And there are also some incredible women actresses out there that, that I look up to who I feel like embody all of the things that I would love to be. Um, uh, but, you know, like the, the confidence that Midge has is a, is a constant challenge. And also the thing is, is that there aren't a lot of women like that on screen. It's yeah. not something that many of us are asked to play. And I think it's important that that you you see it and that you see us try. <laughs> it's interesting though because you talk about like both this role, um, where like you know the stand-up comedy was obviously something very foreign to you and still yeah, still yeah. is. Um, if we go back to our House of Cards conversation, that was kind of like out of your wheelhouse at the time. Yeah. I mean, if you if you look at those, that that's got a that should if it's not already should be a confidence boost that like when I put myself out of my comfort zone, those have arguably been my greatest successes. Yeah. It's hard to see that internally, okay. you know, well, when you're just so petrified. Think about that on, on the subway when I'm practicing my happy second few spaces, you think about that. I mean, the thing is, I think what, what does feel great is that um, as an actor, like, that is the dream. To be able to try to embody so many 
women that that feel foreign that's what I went to drama school right. for that that I and and I feel so lucky and I'm so thrilled by the by the work by the journey and that's what it's about at the end of the day so the the goal is to keep being able to do that and it has certainly felt fulfilling right um, if not always confidence boosting <laughs> I mean, it's funny like do you feel this might sound like a silly question but yeah. like, do you feel like a a pressure to feel happy right now and satisfied because you know what I mean? You're, you're constantly reminded, I'm sure, by people like me or something, or you're on the carpet. It's like, this is amazing. You're yeah. like, everything, oh my God, what a dream come true. And yeah. it's like, then you go back to your apartment and it's like you have the yeah. same problems or whatever that everybody has. It's like you're not suddenly, uh, the problems don't go away. That's totally true. Um, you know, there is some pressure, but but also it's it's not easy to rise. I mean, it's not, sorry, it's not difficult to rise to. Um, I, I'm. This feels huge, and mostly because I think at the end of the day, like accolades are cool. It's a very cool thing, but really, my love is the work. Yeah. And the thing about that stuff is that it allows me to keep working. It buys me some time. It buys us time on this show, and it also means that that people have the opportunity to find the project. You know, I think one of the coolest things about the Globes was that people who hadn't heard of the show suddenly discovered it. Yeah. And that was awesome. And that hopefully means we can be around for a little bit longer. Um, but I, but it is, this, this period has felt sort of overwhelming in a, in a really wonderful way and also a way that I'm not quite sure what to do with yet. But I'm looking forward to getting back to work. You're a grounded New Yorker, not like this crazy We live LA in New York. People. It is actually nice to be here, though, by the way. Like, yeah. in L.A., I was like, I gotta get out of here. Um, <laughs> get me home you, to New York. <laughs> have you started to see scripts for the, the new season? Or not you, yet. Okay. No, not yet. So you've seen, they showed the costumes for the scripts. Well, I haven't really seen many of the costumes. Most of the oh, inspiration the for the costumes that are being built, because so ma- almost all of Midge's costumes are built from right. scratch. Uh, which is a which has also been a really cool process to be involved in, yeah. just to watch how that happens. Um, but no, I, I haven't seen anything. I've been given a little bit of an overview. Sure. I sort of know what we're in for, okay. uh, but I look forward to starting to read, read scripts. <laughs> are you are, are you shooting the next two back to back, or is it going to be a break in between? Well, we don't know that we have a third. Oh, I thought it was um, renewed for two more. No? We got picked up for two right away, I which see. was all oh, the two right away. I apologize. Yeah, yeah. which was so the pilot third, came out. Worry, it'll be fine. I mean, from from your mouth to Amazon's ears. Okay, there you go. Um, But we uh, we got picked up after we shot the pilot for two seasons. Got it, got it, got it. Um, So have you taken a job outside of Maisel since Maisel? Not yet. Um, Maisel finished, and I needed... A th- like a three month long nap. Sure. Um, <laughs> it was. It shows like running a marathon uh, in the most in the most exciting way, but also in, really needed a nap. Uh, so I went down for for a couple weeks and just sort of took some time and read some books and touched my dogs and you know <laughs> um, and traveled a little bit. And then we very quickly went into press. The show aired in November, yeah. and then kind of picked up steam from there. Um, I executive produced uh, a short film, which was the first time I'd done that. Yeah, called Femme, which will hopefully be coming out later this year. And, um, and yeah, we're, we're about to go back in. But I, I think now that the show's out and established, right. I'm, I'm looking for the next right thing. Do you, are you noticing, I mean, again, this is all pretty fresh yeah. in the last couple months, but are you all immediately noticing kind of like different kind of meetings and different kind of offers? Uh, and is that encouraging and exciting that the next break hopefully fit in some downtime, but there might be some other cool opportunities? Yeah, yes. Um, it's been cool. There's been like, 
you know, people sort of checking in that I'm that I'm very excited about, uh, but we're but we're largely unavailable as we're going right. back into production. <laughs> see you in six months. <laughs> so hopefully something can fit in. Right. Uh, but you know, I think for the first time, this might sound silly, but for the first time, I felt comfortable saying that I needed a break. Right. Um, uh, and a break where I was actively looking for new projects, but it was the first time I'd ever felt comfortable saying, you know what, I'm going to wait mm-hmm. for the right thing and something that I'm really passionate about. And that feels like the biggest luxury that's been afforded from this moment totally. is to be able to to have more control over the kinds of projects that I'd like to be involved in and, and, um, and I'm excited about what may be next. Wait, it just hit me. Isn't Amazon doing a Lord of the Rings series? This could be the perfect oh my segue. God. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> From your lips to Amazon's ears again. <laughs> I want you in all the franchises. All I, your wanna, I just want to put some ears on. I just want some ears and some You, you funky... could really be a good elf. That, you, you, think... you have an elfin kind wow, of look. Wow, thank you. I mean that in a, a, a complimentary way. That's uh, the highest compliment. We're going to get you in the Xenon reboot. We're going to get you in oh Lord of the Rings. Do you know what? I want to produce the Xenon reboot. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I'm going to take my producing career. <laughs> it, can't be a, it can't be a musical, though, right? You, you, you discovered definitively well, I mean, you're not I a... couldn't be in the musical. Very definitively, no. But I could maybe cast the musical. There you go. There I think I could go. recognize some musical <laughs> talent. Is there anything Or non-talent, at least. I, I know from your Instagram and from this conversation, the dogs come up a bit. Is that your second love next to acting or the They might the be dogs my first love. Um, <laughs> really. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I'm a crazy dog mom. I, I love my dogs more than than I should probably admit on this podcast. <laughs> no, they're my children. Um, they're they're amazing. Nikki and Winston, thank you for asking. Um, no, I feel like I, if I ever have children one day, I'm not sure that I'll ever be as active a real mom as I am a dog mom. Um, but I I show their pictures to everyone far and wide that they're. <laughs> They have such distinct personalities, and they love each other so much. What a happy home. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's very warm. So I'm glad to be back. They play together all day, and they cuddle, and they, they really support each other. Do they come to set at all? They do. They come every day. That's yeah. a beautiful thing. No, I know. I'm the worst. I'm every set's worst nightmare. No, they're really, they're really well-behaved. <laughs> Amazing. Says amazing. everyone who's ever had a dog. Right. <laughs> These are different. These are different. Yeah, yeah. Nikki My Winston dogs are different. different. <laughs> Stop looking at me like that way. Um, it's been a great pleasure to get to know you a bit today. As I Thank said, you. Um, you too. Uh, I'm a real fan of the show and your work, and uh, it's uh, I'm excited to see what comes next, both on the show and outside of the show. Thank you. And and for me Nikki too. and Winston, I feel like there's good things ahead for them I feel too. Like, I feel like the future is bright. Yeah. For Nikki and Winston. I'm, I'm going to go rent and see them now. And we'll, talk, we'll talk later. <laughs> yeah, please. Let me know what you okay, think. I, will. I wonder if it holds up. Yeah, I don't think so. No, I think you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's a wrap. I can't watch it. it. I'll be too sad if it doesn't hold up. <laughs> I'm sure it just gets better. Uh, All Raven's work does. Raven? She's a Raven. Yeah. Uh, thanks for coming. Thank you. This was really fun. <laughs> you did it. I've never admitted a lot of those things before. <laughs> And so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley, and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. (laughs) 